And now let's turn to our next exit interview, where we were talking to some of our favorite Phoenicians who have left. Phoenix has always been a transient place, but why is it that so many people who have made an impact on this community leave for brighter futures? In Phoenix, it's not cool to say you're from Phoenix. Like, I'm guilty of that too. Anybody that told me that they were born and raised in Phoenix and then they're in their 30s, I'm like, what are you doing here? You should leave. <laughs> I don't trust you at all. You are and have been for your entire life so entrenched in this place. Um, you know, what did it take to, to get you to move? What's that been like? Well, what it really took is a pandemic. Huh? My body sort of had like this fight or flight response. And I was like, man, I got to get out of this country. Like this country is not built for us. I wanted a challenge. I wanted to grow. And people say in New York, that's if you can survive there, <laughs> you can live anywhere. You think you'll ever come back? I will never say never. I really can't say what's going to happen in the future, but I, I'm not letting go of Phoenix. What kept me here was the people. I was fortunate enough to meet some wonderful individuals, genuine, really good people. Today, I'd like to introduce you to a friend of mine, Rogelio Juarez. I grew up in, you know, a Mexican-American family in Chandler. Uh, went to Chandler High, just like, you know, all my aunts and my mom and, and her parents. Juarez is a writer. He just defended his master's thesis in fine arts at Cornell University as part of its creative writing program, one of the best in the country. He's looking to publish his first novel next year. And I know usually you don't interview friends of yours as a journalist, but having known Roy for years and having watched him leave with my best friend, his wife, and my godson, his firstborn, I thought he fit the bill for this series perfectly. In the sense that you are, you know, missing this place, but maybe not missing everything about it. <laughs> what do you miss most? Um, well, all my family's in Arizona, but I feel like that's sort of the go-to answer. I do, I do love my family a lot, but uh, I love tacos. <laughs> Almost as much. I, I, I definitely miss the food. Shout out to Elmer's Tacos and Chandler. And while he's talking to me from upstate New York, his writing is steeped in Phoenix. Here's an excerpt from his short story, Carmelo, about a Mexican-American kid from Arizona who leaves to join the ranks of the so-called Parkies. I remember that summer, Carmelo convincing me to drive eight hours north to work at Mesa Verde. It was the summer Obama won the Democratic nomination. We were both in my mother's kitchen, eating caldo in 100 degrees, like real Arizonans, as the news played in the background. That's when Carmelo told us of the Parkies, these gabachos that didn't vote and migrated to the canyons and the badlands, to the lakes, and especially onto Yellowstone like a pilgrimage. My mother thought it strange, thought they were pimply, sex-crazed weirdos. Those are carnies, Ama, I told her. This would be the perfect first job for Lalo, Carmelo said with that huge grin. My mother smiled at the word work. I was 19 and just wanted to get out of Phoenix for the summer and off the hot ass streets, people trudged on like penitents, paying for something. Juarez wants to be an Arizona writer whose writing speaks to the truths, the sometimes hard truths about this place he is from. But how does he do that from New York? So for me, I, I almost never want to write a story that's outside of Arizona. I think the specificness is actually a strength. I think that is where 
the power comes from. It's not trying to guess, you know, what's this universal experience or what do other people expect of an Arizona story? It's really just trying to tell the truth um, about what I love here and the people that I love. Like a lot of people who are from here, Juarez grew up alongside Phoenix. He came of age as the city did. You know, I remember maybe I was 17 or 18, and that's the first time I sort of went to downtown Phoenix, you know, on my own as an adult. And I remember the moment I just like crossed Central Avenue. It was like this whole other world sort of opened up. And it's like, wow, this place is actually pretty cool and strange and weird. (laughs) And just, you know, feeling the energy, a part of it, um, you know, sort of coupled with, you know, being a a dumb, excited 18-year-old. But it seemed like that was the perfect pairing for Phoenix. But also, like a lot of people who are from here, he had to leave to realize what he was missing. For him, that chance first came in college when he went to post-Katrina New Orleans as an AmeriCorps volunteer. You know, when I was over there, I thought I was going to stay there for a long time. I thought, you know, I, I have no reason to come back to Phoenix. This, I love this city. There's kind of this, this energy, this fervor, and I wanted to stay there. But I guess what drew me back was sort of family um, I was broke as well. So that, that kind of, that pulled me back. And, you know, when I came back to Phoenix, I did kind of see it with new eyes. Back in Phoenix, Juarez finished his degree in political science from ASU, considered going into politics or maybe becoming a lawyer, but he felt the call to write. And his Arizona-shaped identity played a big role in that. You know, I was always interested politically in, in my home. And, you know, this place, it's, it's lots of things, but it's, it's definitely, I think, extreme. I always sort of, you know, tell other people that don't know this place mm. that the future arrives here first, you know, good or bad. <laughs> so to me, studying politics, I kind of got a little disillusioned. And I just felt like there was so much about our society and about different parts of communities that we're just, we're, we're so stuck. And, you know, when I opened a book of fiction, um, possibility was immediately there at my fingertips. Um, So I really loved that of kind of offering new ways of thinking, new ways to dialogue with people that are different than you. Hmm. So you did decide to become a writer. Why did you leave Arizona to do it, I guess? Yeah. So the the kind of funny story is, is that I did not want to leave Arizona. I wanted to (laughs) stay here to study at Arizona State University or University of Arizona, which both, they both have great programs. And I was waitlisted at these programs, but I ended up getting into Cornell. They made me an offer I couldn't refuse, I guess, or that my wife couldn't refuse. Um, And I wanted to study with the the writers that were there, the professors especially. Yeah. Do you see it as ironic that sort of to become an Arizona writer, you had to leave Arizona? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted, I wanted, you know, the quick yes. And I would have just, I would have jumped at it to stay. So let's talk then about how this place and how being from here shapes you as a writer and is shaping you now in your writing. Is it sort of the central character in a lot of what you're doing? Yeah, I think, I think it is, it is a character and, you know, my stories are sort of set in lots of different places throughout the Southwest and some fictional places but definitely Phoenix and Tucson and Ajo, you know, the Sonoran Desert as a backdrop, I just, I feel is so rich and it's so deep. And, you know, not just from the communities I come from, which, you know, are Chicano writers, but also, you know, the indigenous tribes that are here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back into the 1800s, the 1800s was a, a really crazy time, especially in the Southwest and the desert. So it does, it does shape. And to me, you know, writing is almost a really active form of remembering 
or recreating. Hmm. So for me, I really need to connect with a place because it's, yeah, it's paramount. It's been so important for me, for my family, for the generations that came before us. Tell us about your family a little bit and how far back they go in this part of the country. Yes. My dad grew up in South Phoenix and we have some inkling that his family has been in the Southwest, you know, for hundreds of years before Arizona, before the U.S., before Mexico. Mm -hmm. What I learned from him is that, you know, South Phoenix, and it still kind of is the case, it's like a whole different world. It's kind of (laughs) its own uh, ecosystem down there. Its own, has its own grit for sure. And, you know, he grew up swimming in the canals and he was always telling me about Pete's fish and chips and all like the crazy (laughs) families they have. And then my mom's side of the family is from Mexico. They're from Ciudad Juarez. And her grandfather was actually a bracero worker. So they were able to come here, you know, because of this political reason, because literally the border opened up, you know, for a, a decade or two and workers were allowed to come. So it sounds like as a writer, you've and and through fiction, right, like through creating fiction, but steeped in these places and in this history, you've discovered a lot about not just your family, but you and, and what this means to you. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm interested in, you know, how people, how the land shapes people and families and generations, but also how we shape the land, mm-hmm. you know, how we lose touch with it or how we can reconnect with it as well. Do you think you can do that? Be this sort of Mexican-American writer from the Southwest and steeped in these traditions and this history and do it from afar? You're in Ithaca, New York now. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. But um, I guess that's kind of the magic of storytelling, right? My mind and my heart is always elsewhere. On one hand, you know, I'm very close to like the publishing machine, which Mm -hmm. is based in New York. And I think that's been a struggle, not just for Mexican American writers, but you know, all all writers that are sort of come from the West. Mm -hmm. There's always this like, hey, New York, look at us. (laughs) We're we're doing stuff over here too. So when you're in, you know, northern New York, right? Like a very different place, very different in every way. What does Phoenix look like now to you in the rearview mirror? Like when you look back on it, has it shifted your perspective on on this place? Yeah, it's kind of like a, a bundle of feelings. There's definitely times where it's hard to see and my taste buds are watering for the food uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> even just the heat, right? I, I've come to to learn that I need the heat in my life, <laughs> the summer heat. But I think at the same time, it makes me a little bit more deliberate on the page. Hmm. I, need to, I need to sort of cut through my nostalgia. I also need to sort of will myself to, to go back there in a, in a sort of psychic way, in a way that's kind of opening up experiences and memories and getting at something true. Do you miss it? Yeah, absolutely. One of my mentors here, actually, um, Elena Viramontes, my last story, she she liked it, but she's like, I think you've lost a sense of your home. You know, oh. I think your your great strength is writing place, place as a character. And she's like, I think you just need to go back. You need to <laughs> go back there for a little bit. So do you think you'll ever come back? <laughs> I really want to. My wife and I, we have a young family now. And so we're trying to figure out um, a lot of things. And, you know, our primary concerns are kind of like, you know, jobs and schools and safety and, you know, the political situation of of places. But I guess my my personality is like, I want to go and I want to be at the forefront. I want to sort of be on the ground marching. And she's like, just just calm down right now. We need to sort of we need to build a home right now. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like, like, is there something happening on the ground here in, in Phoenix and in Arizona that you want to be a part of? I think so. I mean, just, you know, my particular experience, I grew up sort of, I went to junior high and high school right before Mexican-American studies were banned. 
So, I mean, to me, that's, that's a battle, you know, sort of what I, what I didn't receive. All of the great sort of struggles that people are going through for, to me, to achieve dignity, you know, good housing and good schools. I think those things are what make a city great. You said earlier in the conversation that you always tell people the future arrives first in Arizona, right? I mean, do you feel like you're, you're missing something in that? Or do you feel that like that maybe is a good thing to miss sometimes? Yeah, that's, that's a hard question. Um, I guess, you know, the future is kind of coming for all of us. And I think we're seeing, especially with this pandemic and, you know, climate change on the horizon is that the future, it needs to be collective. Hmm. It needs to be figured out, um, not just in the city and the state level, but also, you know, just what your neighbors are doing and, and the people that are going to your schools. Um, But also that we need strong structures because as much as people, I think, love their cities, they also love, you know, they love affordable housing and Hmm. higher wages and uh, peace for their for their loved ones. So to me, I'm, I feel like I'm writing about those things, but I'm doing it through the lens of my home. Mm-hmm. You know, I said that word before, fervor. I feel like there's, there's, still, there's still a fervor in Phoenix. And I think, I think we have all the ingredients to be a really cool, a city that welcomes people and the people really put down roots. All right. Rogelio Juarez, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for doing this, I appreciate it. All right, thanks, Lauren. listening to Exit Interview. An earlier version of this story appeared on KJZZ's The Show. If you liked this episode, subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you get your podcasts. Exit Interview is a KJZZ original production. This episode was written, produced, and hosted by me, Lauren Gilger. It was co-produced by Nick Sanchez, and our executive producer is Amy Silverman. Until next time, thanks for listening. 